Welcome back to Ring Post Radio. This is episode 15. I am Adam Westwood and I'm joined with Nathan Harding. How you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. How, how are you after that super showdown um, last night? I'm not I'm not the best. I'm not the best. It's been a very long time coming since we've uh, done the last done another episode of this. The last one was in a uh, was in April last year, just after WrestleMania. So it's been a uh, back to WrestleMania season we go. It's been a long time coming. But I've had a busy year. We're back. We're back again in the studio and we should be back every week every other week sort of back in schedule for WrestleMania. So, let's talk about it. Super showdown last night. Nathan, what's your uh, immediate thoughts? Like, I know the Sally shows aren't, you know, great shows or good shows, but this was probably the worst Sally show I think I've seen. Because unlike you, I've pretty much seen all of them. And... Yeah, I've had a reluctance to watch a lot of the Saudi shows. It was just utter crap. It, yeah, it didn't seem great, did it? I mean... I've watched two thirds of the show. I didn't watch the. I didn't watch some of it because I just couldn't be bothered with some of it. Like I didn't. I didn't need to see another Viking Raiders OC match on the kickoff. I didn't need to see Humberto versus um, Angel Garza, even though I'm sure it was a great match. I didn't really need to see it again. I've seen well, it so that many times. Was one of the only half decent matches on the show, and even then, it wasn't like a you know a great good match. It was just a okay decent match. The thing with this showdown is that. They've never had one in the build-up to Mania. It's always been after Mania and then in the middle of the year, like October time, with the last one, which is just before Survivor Series, um, in the build-up to it. So, I mean, looking at it that way, it's kind of a bit, a bit pathetic in terms of this show has been used to build WrestleMania more than the Elimination Chamber, which is the major pay-per-view in the build-up to WrestleMania. Well, we've only got one match announced, haven't we, for the Chamber so far? Yeah, the Chamber's next weekend, by the way. So we've got, I think, what, eight, nine days until... Until the that's a rushed card and half. And we've got one match, which I am very excited for. It's the women's elimination chamber um, for the uh, to challenge for Becky at Mania, and it's currently Shayna, Natalia, Asuka, um, and then the old Riot Squad members: Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. Which I think is going to be, I think could be a great match. And there's a little story in there, but we've got one match for one of the biggest pay per views of the year, and it's a week before it. So this entire week's going to be rushed. We're gonna have we'll have no world title matches for either of them. There'll be no world title match on the show at all. Becky's gonna have no match because she's got no she's got no challenger really. What we're gonna have another Bailey match in another week with Naomi and sh- is Cena back for the whole Mania period? We don't know yet. Because all we know is that he's back. If he is, it wouldn't surprise me if he act- you know because the plan is was originally supposed to be Cena versus Elias. And then plans have now changed to Cena versus The Fiend. It wouldn't surprise me if they actually did Cena versus Elias at Chamber if Cena was there for the whole Mania period. Potentially. I mean, I'm assuming that Cena's got no movies to film at the minute, so that's, that's how he's allowed to film. Uh, that's how he's allowed to wrestle, shall I say, because obviously with The Rock, that's why he's only been able to have like a minute match with Rowan, because he's in massive movie contracts where his insurance is so high that he can't actually wrestle. So I'm almost hoping that Cena's got nothing to film and he's actually around for a long time and has this match with The Fiend but let's should we talk about it or should we talk about that last The Fiend um, might as well start on that what a fucking shit show that was disgusting I mean the match was over in about four minutes was it and yeah we've seen Goldberg have great four minute matches like the, the match against Lesnar at Mania when mm. Lesnar won I the, really enjoyed that match I love that match yeah. it's five minutes long the problem is there was so many better ways. If they wanted to get the title off Bray, that's fair enough. In my opinion, I think it was probably the worst decision giving him to as early as they did. But that being said, why do it in this fashion? Why not have Why not have Bray Wyatt be beaten, not The Fiend? Why not have Bray come out, oh, it's only Goldbad, laughing and joking, and then gets beat? Well, he's at uh, Miz, didn't he? Um, that's Fire... Oh, fuck, fuck, Fire... 
Fly Funhouse. Yeah. Well, the the Miz has obviously faced him because the, the the Fiend didn't think the Miz was was worth fighting. Exactly. So they've got the precedent set to do it. And then that would then make more sense for the fiend to then face Cena at Mania because if he's lost his belt, he's fuming and he's got to get rid of everything that he's, that's gone wrong in his past, which then would include getting rid of the Firefly Flint House and would include getting rid of Cena because that's the biggest loss he's never he's never beat. And only only the person bigger than Cena is Undertaker at thirty one. But in in the way it happened as well, it was just like I'm I'm not okay with with Goldberg being the WWE champion at uh, the Universal Champion, shall I say? I'm not okay with it. He's now the only wrestler. In the in the company ever to be a world champion after being inducted to the Hall of Fame, which is pathetic for one. How are you in the Hall of Fame and being a world champion? It doesn't add up at all. But it's just the fact that four spears didn't take the fiend down. Fiend got did a mandible claw, great. And then that's the, that's the only offence. Like it's just not it's just not enough. It's saying that it basically to me diminishes everyone else the fiends faced. It diminishes Seth Rollins a, a massive amount. It diminishes the Miz a massive amount. It diminishes uh, Daniel Bryan a massive amount. Like Daniel Bryan faced the fiend for 20 minutes. It took the it took Daniel Bryan 20 minutes to be beaten by the fiend. The fiend was beaten by uh it then took Goldberg 4 or 5 minutes to beat the fiend and he hit less moves. He did nothing. It was a strap match. Like he should have normal match this. There was no there's no story. I think it's messed up a lot of the storylines in terms of like, because it seems they want to put the title back on Roman, which I'm okay, I'm kind of okay with. Like I don't mind it. I I think Roman's one of the best workers in the company. I think he's a great person to have storylines with. But the the Baron Corbin storyline's taken so much out of his momentum because it's been going on for so long. You've now got a title on a guy who no one wants to see with the belt. So Roman's in- instantly going to be cheered and given this massive hero's welcome when he dethrones him in two minutes. Like yeah, fair enough. I mean. That is clever in but, a way, but it's just not the way to go about it. This is going to be a bit of a long thing, but I just wanted... I would think, if they wanted to keep... The thing with this is, it seems like Vince doesn't trust the younger, star, the younger stars they've got, apart from Roman and Becky, to be like a headline going into Mania, right? Now, if they wanted to, they could have easily started building a megastar here if Bray had beat Goldberg. Because Bray has been, since the introduction of The Fiend, has been probably one of the biggest stars on the show ever since he was the first Firefly Funhouse and then he showed up at SummerSlam. If they'd have had him beat Goldberg and then at Mania, John Cena's going for number 17 and The Fiend wants to avenge his loss to, uh, to Cena at WrestleMania 30, has him beat Cena and then at SummerSlam have Roman Reigns be a slow build-up. He beats, he then beats Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Bray Wyatt's been unstoppable. He's been champion for nearly a whole year. He's beaten John Cena, The Fiend, Goldberg, Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, like, this he would then be a top top champion who would be un- untouchable, and you've built someone that if when he's beaten, they're then like a megastar, and not have to bring in someone like Brock Lesnar to then to make Joe star. You well, know it's what like mean? a long a long version of what we got in the Rumble because everyone always thought Drew McIntyre had the potential to be you know one of the top people in the company, and basically the way they did it with you wanted Lesnar to be eliminated. Because it just kept going on and on, and it was so well booked. And then when Drew McIntyre uh, eliminated him, he got that huge, like monster pop. And at that point, he was like, "This is the new stud in town." Whereas, and now, he's like, before it would have been, yeah, McIntyre's been around, but is he a considerable threat to? Because he's not really had the, the massive, massive build to face Lesnar. But now it's like we're getting these two behemoths against each other, and he's almost getting towards Lesnar's, you know, level. Whereas The Fiend, if you could have kept building and building The Fiend, then you would have had someone come in and beat him. They would immediately have been made. 
that's the thing. I think that they're they're reluctant to give these newer stars the chance to do that and then just keep relying on older stars. And I've I've seen the argument of well they did it before, like they brought Backland in um, and had Backland be beat by Diesel back in the day, but not to the extent of like Backland had only been out of the business for like five or six years. Like it wasn't a long thing. It wasn't someone who was a star in the nineties appearing in twenty twenty. Do you know? What I, mean? I feel this is what's annoying to me about it. It's like I was saying, I was saying to one of our friends Arch yesterday. Um, it's like if you see John Cena and Edge, they're the stars that are gonna book, they're gonna sell WrestleMania tickets. Goldberg, a star from the nineties, isn't gonna sell tickets for WrestleMania. Seeing Edge's first real one-on-one match back at WrestleMania will. Seeing John Cena in his first proper match back will. Seeing like things like that, like stars from the attitude, uh, stars from the ruthless aggression era, as they call it, is what now we're looking back in terms of like that's now the new sort of level at like the rock like batista coming back last year was massive we don't need stars from way before that who weren't even in the attitude era do you know what i mean i just found the entire sh- that that was disgusting to me and i think it's now gonna be a lot harder to get the fiend back to where he was even though he did pop up after three seconds after the pin it's just it's, that's just a cheap this means nothing does it do you, do you know what it means it to me it's like do you remember when the ultimate warrior beat hogan and Hogan kicked out at like 3.2 and instantly got back up and sort of ruined the moment for Warrior. It was supposed to be that, but they did it wrong and they shouldn't have done it. And it just made me mad. Speaking and of things that... Well, just quickly to add, the last two uh, title changes have both happened in uh, Saudi Arabia. For the Universal title? Yeah, yeah. they have. Because The Fiend won it, the last one, didn't they? And I think... But... Obviously, had that program between Rollins and Lesnar. If you go all the way back to the start of that, uh, he won it in Saudi Arabia as well, didn't he? In 2018, towards the end. Yeah, he did. They're just. I think they're running out of these massive marquee matches, you know, with the DX type, with Shawn Michaels and stuff, and they just keep having to give them title uh, changes, aren't they? Well, this is the thing. There's. I think the problem with that is though, there's not many characters at the minute in in them on the main roster. There's the big, probably like the big 10 or 20 that have characters, but apart from that. You look at guys like Cesaro, who in my opinion is probably the best wrestler in the world right now, just in terms of pure skill in the ring. What's his character? Who is he? Who's who's Shinsuke Nakamura? Who's Sami Zayn? Do you know what I mean? Like they're a trio right now, but who are they? What are they doing? You look at guys like Mustafa Ali, who in my opinion should be he should he could be contending for like uh, an Intercontinental Championship. He should be I think he should be the guy that defeats Braun for the Intercontinental Championship. But who is he? Where is he? Why is he not on the show? Why has he not got a character? Same thing with Humberto Carrillo. He's just lifeless. He's just a good athlete. Like, I think a big problem with this generation in terms of not just WWE, in terms of, like, with AEW as well, people are just focused on ring work, and there's not a lot of emphasis on character work. So when you get someone like The Fiend, who is such a character and less of the ring work, he instantly gets over. And I think that's why you see guys like Randy Orton, who has an established character and has for years, he's always over, because they have a character. When you look at someone like Bray... Uh, not uh, look someone like Braun, shall I say? What is Braun Strowman? He's just a big man. Well, if we move on to um, Undertaker surprise appearance, and God. that is also the good f- the thing you just mentioned about character is, I'm not gonna lie, I pop every time I see the entrance. I don't care if he's 75 walking stick in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm popping for the entrance because you know this is an established character going back 30 odd years. Yeah. Whereas, it, in about 20, 10, 15, 20 years time. When the current stars now are the ones coming back, it's like, oh, cool, that's that's Seth Rollins. I mean, he has got a decent character now, but, oh, cool, Ricochet's back type thing. It's like, yeah, but these are just the same people as the next generation, but just the ones before. Whereas 
back then everyone had established characters and well, that's the, even if, angles even and if, everything. Even if they were a wacky character and they're at the bottom of the show, like when Mankind first came in, he was nothing. He was just supposed to be like this crazy character, but then he just became beloved by the fans and then sort of carved him, carved a chance for himself. There's not that up and down the show. Like there's a little, there's a few wacky things here and there. Like you've got Eric Rowan in his cage, but like, great. What's he doing with it? What What's special about it? Why is he like? Why is he still carrying it around? Well, quite no. often, when there is a sort of character arc to some like Rusev Day, or we you know when he he like had his kids and he was in the tag team Rhino, they organically got over. And fans were excited to see them, even though, like, even though Heath Slater's not like top 30, 40 wrestlers in the company, people were excited to see him and Rhino win the tag titles. But then they just like let them down. They deflate them and take all the energy out of the stories and the characters. And every time someone's built up, I mean, you go back to Zack Ryder in uh, 20, what was it, 2011? 2011, 2012, yeah. And he was. Like, I know we have this revisionist history, but he was really over. We I went back to the day and watched him win in the US title, and the the, the arena erupts like it's insane. It it's it is a problem. I think that this is the looking forward long term. It's a big issue for the main roster in terms that they've, they've got no characters. Well, then if you look at someone like if you look down to NXT for example, and I know that like I love NXT, so I bang on about it all the time. But if you look at NXT, most of the people on the show have a character of some sort. Like, Bianca Belair believes that she is the strongest, she's the fastest, she's the quickest, the smartest, etc. So she is the EST. Then there's Shayna Baszler, who will just tap anyone out, and she's not she's not fearful of anyone. She's better than everyone she knows she is. You've then got, like, good, clean baby faces like Candice Ray who can't do anything wrong. Guys like Dakota Kai, who are fed up with the fact that all of their friends keep getting the chances before her. And that's just looking at the women's division. Then look at, like, Johnny Gargano and Champa, who have had this, like, three-year feud, but it's led to the tables being turned completely and the guy who was the good guy and never had the chance to never had the never got the opportunity has lost his head and now he's flipped like everyone on the show has a reason to be there and has a character you can get invested in and that's why i enjoy the show so much when i watch smackdown now i know this is probably the worst smackdown's been probably since all the tag matches back in 2012 but if you look at that show now where's the characters you're looking at What's the like, Baron Corbin to me is one of the most interesting characters on the show because he's a character, he's the king, like he won the king of the ring. But even that's like you just put you're clutching at straws, really. So let's talk about another, uh, another big problem on the show Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet. What are your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I sort of expected it in a way because it's, it's Brock Lesnar before a massive quote world title match against Drew McIntyre which is obviously going to be you know where he loses the title but I did expect a little bit longer than just under two minutes because he has great matches with the smaller guys and I'm not I'm not saying Ricochet should like do four six thirty cent-ons on him and almost beat him type thing but I'm just saying I would like to have you know a little bit more of a showcase for Ricochet have him in there with Brock Lesnar put up a better, better fight you build him up a little bit more than just Squatting, squashing him, and it's like there was no point having the title match in there. Then, if that's the middle gap between them and Drew, it just makes no sense, to be honest. Because we already know he's a beast. We just saw his Rumble performance. Yeah, we don't need remind him of a squash match. Well, I think the thing, the thing for me that I was reminded of was how good the match with Finn Balor was at the Royal Rumble. Was it last year? Mm. Um, where Finn, yeah. for some reason, wasn't the demon. He was just himself. But he still put up a fight and the match was like six, seven minutes long. That was sort of what I was expecting. 
uh, Ricochet to get in and sort of like get in a bit of offense, but not have a 30 minute brawl sort of with like the main event at WrestleMania with Roman, which is what I'm kind of expecting Drew will get. I'm expecting Drew and Brock will go long. But I just found it so stupid that they've put probably the best, one of the best high flyers they've ever had against a guy who works way better with high flyers and smaller characters and have it end in one minute, 20 seconds. Like, there's no point in it, because why have both of them flew to Saudi Arabia for that? You know? And I mean, I'm sure the Saudi crowd, because the crowd wasn't hot all night like they were for the first few, they know what's going on. The crowd know that they're just booking matches for the sake of it, just to bring some legends back. Because now all of these people who went to the first two just to see the spectacle of it, they're all now fans. And now they want to see character development, and they want to see things going on. But they're just like, oh yeah, here's Goldberg again, here's Brock Lesnar for two minutes, we have fun. Like, it must be infuriating to be a fan in Saudi Arabia. Well, every single time there's a Saudi show, Mansoor gets wheeled out. And he is a, 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 I really enjoy watching him in the ring. And I think, you know, he's got a, a great potential to do, to do something on NXT or, or main roster. But they literally just wheel him out for this show. And it's like, yeah, it's one of those ones where you put him against a Ziggler or a Cesaro. You're, you're going to get a good 10-minute match. He'll beat him. You'll get your crowd pops for your hometown hero. And, and then, then there's a little speech. And then it's the same again and again and again. And there's no development there, with that. There's another There's another Saudi show just after Mania again, isn't there? There's one, I think, in, Mar- in like May time. I guarantee we won't see Mansoor on NXT for about three or four weeks. And when we do, he'll be beaten by like Austin Theory in four minutes. Which then, to me, just shows, like, what would happen if Austin Theory faced Cesaro? You know? <laughs> like, what would happen if if these guys just start doing... If these like if they start using him properly? Because when he's been used on NXT, he has been used as almost enhancement talent at times because he's, the, he's in the lower part of the, half of the PC. Like, he's not ready to be leading a show, which is fine. But at least show him and use him and have him put on good matches. Because at the minute, it just looks like they're trying to build up a streak for him in Saudi Arabia. Because at the minute, he's 4-0. Like, if we now got a Saudi Arabian undertaker in, in Mansoor. <laughs> do you reckon that's what they're going to end up doing? Have him win so many matches and then he will face someone for a world title? Oh yeah, he will. He will 100%. He will win. He will somehow... My thought is, when the time is right, I'm going to guess like probably about a year's time, he will win the North American Championship. When he's ready, he'll win the North American Championship in Saudi Arabia. Or he'll win, like, the US Championship in Saudi Arabia, and he'll be like, wee, Saudi Arabian US Champion, woohoo. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be a mid-card t- championship. I'm not saying he's going to defeat Brock, even though it's Saudi Arabia, he definitely would be able to beat Brock. But, you know what I mean? Like, you can tell they're building it up so that he has this bit of a record and he looks unstoppable on his home soil. Which is fine, but, like, just give him a reason to be there. Because it just looks pathetic that you just wheel him out because he's just from there. And it just makes the shows look worse. I want to talk about uh, a thing that's really upset, uh, really not upset me, because the match was actually all right. I want to talk about Bailey versus Naomi, in what I think is one of the silliest things they've done in a while. I don't think anyone really cares about Bailey's championship reign at the minute. I think that's a fair thing to say. And after the Royal Rumble, there was the clip of Naomi entering the Royal Rumble went viral. Like it wasn't just a wrestling thing. It the clip of her entering the Royal Rumble was put on YouTube and it was top of trending for like two or three days. The, the tweet, that the first video that was put on Twitter had like tens of millions of views. So that, to me, showed, if I was looking at it as, a, as a, a, a corporate standpoint, it would be, there's interest in this person. Let's put some, let's give her a chance. Let's give her an opportunity. Let's go for it. 
why wasn't she put why wasn't the belt put on her like i know the idea is doing bailey versus sasha at mania but they've not built to this at all if they were building to it i could understand it but they're going to do this this big storyline that's been that there's literally years worth of storytelling they're going to rush it into it in about five weeks when they could have just waited and done it in like SummerSlam, and have those two because they don't need the title to feud like they could have put they could have that match at another time and it'd be fine well again it's just another case of bang on the mark and they still miss the opportunity because let's be honest Naomi didn't exactly have like a great showing at the Rumble but it's you know the new look it absolutely captivated like I just saw so many uh, retweets and comments from people that couldn't give a shit about wrestling and they were just captivated by this person you know how they how she was representing and then you know you've got something there where you can, you can you've got the ball and you can run with it and you can give Naomi a good moment, build her up with new interest from outside. This is how you get the mainstream appeal. But no, they just, they've done nothing I mean, with her, really. To me, I don't think, I think that her moment should have been at WrestleMania. And I feel like they're still going to try and do that. Naomi should be winning the belt on a massive stage. Because this mainstream audience won't tune into a random show. But all this mainstream audience, pretty much everyone in the world, if you know wrestling or not, Pretty much everyone in the world knows what WrestleMania is. So to me, that should be the moment where you show you show the people that are going to have the most mainstream appeal. Like You show a Ricochet off and give Ricochet a 20-minute match and let Ricochet do like a 6.30 or do a double rotation moonsault or something wacky that's going to draw in loads of children if they're watching for the first time. And you give Naomi a massive opportunity to run with the ball. Like she should, I don't think she should have been featured in, that, um, in the match... Uh, the like the uh, number one contendership match on SmackDown. I think she should have. That should have been the storyline. Is like, where's my opportunity? Where's my chance? And she like fights and claws for it. And at the end, she like finds. She, like, she, I wanted to see a bit of fire from her. Like like let's like push for a chance. Let's like go to the off. Let's go to Vince's office on camera on air and be like, give me Bailey. Where's my opportunity? Everyone else is getting them. Why aren't I? And then have her go through some hoops to get to Bailey for Mania. And then you've got a natural built storyline with a fat with a, a character who casual fans who have never even watched wrestling are interested the fans that have watched wrestling are interested because you've had a different storyline it's got a new angle a new perspective on it you've got a champion who's really done nothing with the belt and then you've got an easy wrestlemania moment as well when naomi wins the belt at mania in florida like i don't see the issue with that at all but obviously they've just dropped the ball and at this rate i can't even see the smackdown women's belt being on mania because i don't think sasha's gonna be back in time from filming from filming the mandalorian and whatnot and I can't see there being any chance for a big storyline being planned if if Bailey's not even going to be at SmackDown this week. Do you know what I mean? It's just disappointing to see as a fan's perspective, isn't it? Because obviously we as the fans put so much time and effort into this company and then it's just not reciprocated as well. But I think there's only... To me, one good thing came from Saudi. We finally seem like we've seen the end of Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. I love both of these men. I love them both singly. But together, this feud has been running on for like three, four months now since King of the Ring, which was at, which was like October time, and the fact that we've seen, I think we've genuinely seen over twenty matches between these two. I'm getting up the stat now. I think we've seen over twenty matches, in my opinion, if I had to guess, and it, they've not been amazing. But it, it should have ended at Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble was a great endpoint for it, but they've dragged it out for another month, and that's been the story of these two. They can't right. grow in advance. The, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns versus King Corbin and Nakamura. The 18th of October 2019. Since then, they've had a six-man tag on SmackDown. Team Hogan versus Team Flair. Then in November, they had Corbin versus Reigns. Then another uh, tag. Then then the um, 
they were both involved in the uh, Survivor Series match. Then the TLC match. Then another SmackDown tag. Then another SmackDown tag. Both involved in the Royal Rumble. And the Falls Count Anywhere match. And then the uh, bloody dog food bloody match. And then uh, then the Steel Cage at Super Showdown. So that's a good number of matches. Like 13 matches, I think, they've been involved in in the last four months. Oh, it's just pathetic and boring, isn't it? Like, I want... I don't mind seeing the same sort of matches over and over again if there's a purpose there. Like a best-of-seven tournament, there's a purpose there. That's why you're tuning in to see these matches, to see who is the better person. Well, they did that, didn't they? I think that um, Sheamus and Sheamus Cesaro, Cesaro few, I think that's the last time they'd done one on the yeah. main roster. Before they became the bar, that's what led to it. And it was the winner gets a championship opportunity. They drew and they became tag champions. Yeah, which I enjoyed. And it was, it was a great a, way to build a tag team, wasn't it? And then they were, yeah, they were an established tag team. They can't beat each other, so let's work together and become a big tag team. And they're one of the best tag teams of this era, in my opinion. But then, like, what's the point? We've just seen this this feud for, what, like, four months? Like, four or five months now? It's just boring and, and it pathetic. Was just, the problem is, yeah, the, tag, the repetitive tag match and stuff is boring. It's when you get those sort of matches where you think, this is the end of the feud, and then it keeps going, like, you think, short TLC match, that's, a TLC is always meant to be the big match you wheel out for the end of a feud, or a false count anywhere match, or then a steel cage match. It's just, we just keep bringing out loads of different match types just to keep this going and there's no reason for it it's pathetic well this hopefully this hopefully this steel cage seems the end of it and I think obviously it's looking like we're going to get Roman versus Goldberg at Mania what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> like <laughs> that groan tells me a lot right it's yeah obviously we're all going to be cheering Roman when he beats Goldberg so in a way it's clever but also it's n- it's a match where it's not going to be a match is it it's spear versus spear it'll probably last four or five minutes max maybe not even that and it's just like you've got Roman Reigns who is your top dog pardon the pun the big dog the big dog and you've got the fiend like there's, some, there's something there where you've got two of your best stars on well, the show. I think that should have been built for for SummerSlam. To me, because I think the idea for Cena versus The Fiend was perfect for Universal Championship because Cena then has his 17th World Championship run. Like, that's what you're aiming for. And then you've then got um, The Fiend trying to obviously avenge himself for WrestleMania 30, losing. It was, his, it was his first massive match and he lost it. If you'd have had that, as the Mania match. You don't need to build anything else. That's the storyline. John Cena doesn't, doesn't have to be there on TV until WrestleMania, and that's your story. But then with this, like, and then obviously Roman as well. Roman doesn't need the World Championship at the minute. Like, I'm surprised he doesn't, he's not gone for the IC title at all. I'm surprised he never went for it and did almost what Cena did with the US title at the time when Cena went down and got the US belt and sort of made it a big thing. Like, when, like when, like when Reigns did as well. When Reigns was, um, we had the Hell in a Cell against Rusev, which was great. So it's almost, I don't see the point in it, but, I mean, SmackDown has got some great wrestlers, and I'm sure that they'd be able to put some great matches on with Roman. Like, I'd love to see Mustafa Ali versus Roman Reigns, or a, or a Brian versus Reigns again. Like, there's so many matches that I think Reigns would be great in. That is one thing I'm disappointed about, is the fact that, you know, Brian, for all the way up to Mania last year, and then throughout, he's had the character change, this uh, last, on about, up to Mania last year, he had you know, the eco-warrior stuff, and it was just superb, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then after that, he had the sort of uh, gimmick change, and then he's back to being a face, and he had the uh, feud with The Fiend, and he, he had a few tag matches with Reigns. And I just thought, 
It's disappointing that he's not going to have a marquee match when he is one of your best talents and everything he does turns to gold. Everything he touches turns to gold from a storyline to a to a character. Everything he does is just absolutely brilliant and it's just disappointing that he's not going to have a marquee match when he's basically, him and Kofi were the two people that carried SmackDown, I'd say, for the most part. The thing is, I think it leans back to, again, character work. Like, he has a character. We know what his character is there's a reason for him to be on the show and when he interacts with other characters it's entertaining and we want to see it that's why he's been he was the best part of smackdown because he's a great character and whatever whatever character he's given he'll make work obviously then when you look at guys on the card now like if you look at the mid card what is it for example and we're going to get guys like strowman will somehow strowman will get on the card even though strowman's been flailing around the last 12 months but daniel bryan won't it's really upsetting and i think this mania is going to be a, a really weird one. I mean, obviously, we've got two, what, three matches announced right now. No, we've not even got three matches announced. We've got currently only two matches, which would be Brock versus Drew and uh, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. And that's it. Which is mad considering we're what? We're only like five weeks away from Mania and we've only got two matches announced. But it's going to be an interesting bit. They've got a lot to do. They've got a pay per view in there next week. And then four weeks to build to WrestleMania. It's going to be bad. Like, I mean, compare just comparing this down to NXT TakeOver um, Tampa, you've got, you've already know what, we, what sort of matches we're going to get on the show. Because we're going to get, obviously, we're going to have a, a, some sort of match with uh, Gargano and Champa. You're going to get something with Rhea Ripley because she's going to be defending on both shows. You've got, you're going to have a, a big NXT title match, you're going to have a big uh, NXT North American title match, and then they're going to have a big tag team title match, where you're finally probably going to see the Brosweights lose the belt. It, you know what's coming, and that's exciting, and we're building to it slowly. Raw and SmackDown over the next few weeks are just going to be so rushed, and what's the point for it, you know? But I'm hoping on. I'm holding on for good for something good, you know? Is there anything... I said, let's touch on it now. WrestleMania, what are we hoping for? What are you... What are you thinking I want to see happen at WrestleMania? <clears throat> we'll, we'll do two realistic options and then one thing that's just a complete fantasy. Give me whatever you want. I want Miz Morrison versus New Day versus Usos in a three-way TLC or ladder match for the SmackDown tag titles. I'm already sold. You know, I'm already <laughs> you know sold. it makes sense, don't you? Do you know what, let's just wheel out the Hardys again. Just wheel out the Hardys, get them in there as well. Throw Jeff in. I'm sure Jeff is. he had some sort of surgery like 12 months ago. I'm sure he'll be fine again. Wheel him in, do a swan tom one, happy days, they can leave the company, you know? Now, I think that'd be great. I think there's a storyline in there where there will be a triple threat tag match. Obviously, Mor- Miz and Morrison are champions again after winning last night against the New Day. And the Usos keep tweeting about them, and obviously we've seen them in loads of uh, mixed matches at the minute, so I think that's a really good idea. I really want to see... I don't think... Now, if only one of these will work, obviously, because I don't think they'll do two ladder matches on the show. I'm expecting to see a four-way ladder match of some sort being for the US title seeing uh, Andrade defending against Mysterio, Garza and Carrillo. Now obviously Garza and Carrillo have been feuding for a little while uh, they both both have been involved in the Andrade and Rey Mysterio feud here and there I think it makes sense to obviously have the, the final match with Andrade and Rey be at Mania but also throw in those two into the mix and make it a bit different and I think a fatal. F- I think that match to open up Mania. Either one of those matches would. Either one of those would be, you know, a great match. Give them fifteen minutes or whatever. High need, flying spots. You need a hot start to WrestleMania, and either of those matches would do it. Like, there's different ways to get that hot start. Like last year when you had uh, Rollins beat uh, Lesnar. 
Oh god, that was that was amazing. I buzzed off that, and it was just a very simple thing to do. Whereas this is a different way to go about getting that hot start, where you've just got absolute moves. Yeah, just complete crazy spots and everything. All right, what's your next one? Um, <clears throat> I want Drew and Lesnar to go over ten minutes. I'm, I'm thinking they're going to go like twenty. I'd be happy with that. I want to see a proper a proper Lesnar match with someone who is his equal because I think I already know how they're going to do the finish I think the finish of the match will be Rome, uh, Roman um, will be Brock goes for a, su- a German suplex somehow I think Drew will land on his feet in the corner instant into a claymore and that's the finish because Drew is athletic enough to land a, a backflip from a German as long as Brock throws him high enough which I think they do <laughs> you know but I think this will be a slugfest and I think when when Drew came in in the rumble you noticed a shift in the way that Brock was reacting to him. And I think that is exciting, and I think it won't just be a squash match. <laughs> Even if it is, if Drew, if Drew literally beats Lesnar in three minutes, he's made. If Drew beats him in 30 minutes, he's made. It doesn't matter how they beat him, as long as Drew the wins thing the thing that bat- got me at Rumble is, obviously I've already mentioned it with the, the way they built up McIntyre eliminating him, but it was the moments after where Lesnar was sort of shook and was sold the claim all massively on the outside and, and Drew just fixated on Lesnar and, all, and that, at that moment it just sold me on the match completely I think it's I don't see a match exciting me more than that at Mania apart from maybe one thing with a little tweak my second idea is I really think Bianca Belair needs to be added to the NXT Women's Championship match now People might be like, well, why would she be adding to the match? She's lost cleanly to both women. Obviously, she lost to, to uh, Charlotte on NXT this week. But the thing with that was, after the match, Bianca then got her leg smashed with a chair and then was in the figure eight for a few minutes while Rhea Ripley did her entire entrance <laughs> instead of just running down. <laughs> yeah. That has been one of the best memes I've seen in a while as Rhea's there doing a foot stomp as Bianca Belair is screaming in pain. Now, it's weird because to me, they're building this entire storyline between uh, between Charlotte and Rhea but it's all around Bianca Belair and the more I'm seeing of Bianca it's the more I want to see her in this match now I originally and I think I've said this last year on the show I never used to be a big fan of Bianca Belair but this last year has changed and I'm now a massive fan of hers and I think the fact that she's working and holding her own against Charlotte Flair for example and she led she basically led the women's Royal Rumble at times She's shown her weight. She's worth her weight in gold. I think... Give her it at Mania. I think give it her. I because... Think you don't need to have Rhea lose. Well, Rhea is the champion going in. She's already got that big moment. Charlotte, Charlotte, how many titles has she won? About a million. We know everything she can do. She's a massive star for the women's division. Imagine that moment. You've got you've built yourself another star instantly You if you give her the win. Because this is the thing. Because she, she's been a feature in all of the... Rum, in a, the, the last two rumbles quite heavily... She's been the main person in it. And a casual audience know who she is, you know? So I think there's a real idea of like, well, let's just give her the chance. And I think I'm, I think that that's where they're going to go with it. But part of me is still like, are they really actually going to give it a chance? Do you know what I mean? Because to me, to me, I think it's just, it's such an interesting concept of putting another person in this match. And I know, again, last year, the main event was a triple threat match with Charlotte being thrown in there. But last year, Charlotte was sort of pushed into the match. She wasn't organically put in it herself. Obviously, with this one, Bianca's been sort of the third wheel in the entire situation because she had to face Rhea in between the uh, 
the announcement happening. But the fact that Charlotte and Rhea, Charlotte and Bianca keep fighting, Bianca and Rhea keep fighting, and Rhea and Charlotte keep fighting, it sort of makes sense. And I think it then gives another massive mania moment for a casual fan. Like, if you're if you tune in and you see this amazing, you see this this amazing match with a girl, like the two, like same thing with Naomi. You see that match and you're a casual fan. You'd be like, well, this is great. I want to see more of these ki- these people because they've got great characters. And they've built two new two proper stars in Naomi and Banker Belair then that night. I think that's the way to go. But I don't know if they'll be smart enough to do it. Even though everyone on Twitter seems to want it to happen. Anything random? What's your fantasy idea? One thing you can have you can you can dream dream will happen. What would it be? Right. It's definitely not gonna happen because we already know the plan. Okay. We already know the way it was gonna go. Okay, what's what do you mean? What's going on? Well we're getting Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Potentially, yeah. I mean we are, aren't we? If I we mean, if we, we don't now, after after a five second match, I'll be very confused. I would have. I'm wondering where my boy Hunter is. Where is Triple H for Mania season? Is this surely is going to be one of the first Manias he's not had in like a decade? I think I saw a stat the other day. It's his first in like 13 years. You know, I think if you got Undertaker versus Styles, that's that's going to be a free four minute. Stars ain't gonna be able to get much out of Taker. If you saw his choke slam, you know this boy is on his last legs. I'd be happy with Triple. Like, for, forget this ever happened with Taker. I'd be happy with Triple H versus Styles at, at Mania. And I think they what? could. They would have an absolute a quality, you know, fifteen twenty minute match. Obviously, this is complete fantasy booking now. But like, because originally the plan was gonna be. Wasn't it going to be Styles versus Edge, I think? That's what was reported for a while, yeah. And then obviously... The and that also really interests me, Edge. But basically, just you know put what, no. Styles against I wanna anyone. See. I want to see. If, if they're going to wheel out Triple H, which I think they should, because, I mean, I I don't want to sleep that night, clearly. I, don't, <laughs> I want this show to be 10 hours long. If they're going to wheel him out, give it someone that's been in NXT... And give it so Triple H is like demand that doesn't want to. Not saying it has to be on Mania because if if they if they're using someone from NXT, it'd be on Takeover. But to me, a better idea would be having someone who was in NXT or sort of bypassed NXT, so just physically dragged for the match, or like, and then I want them to show up at an NXT taping and go backstage and be like, "Where's I want to face you? Give me a chance." And then if they don't do it, go crazy. So I want to see. I want to see. Alistair Black just show up and just start black massing like Bruce Pritchard and <laughs> and Paul Heyman backstage until he gets a chance. I, I, see, I would love to black mass Bruce Pritchard. To I want to see, I want to see Alistair Black black mass Stephanie McMahon and black mass Shawn Michaels and see a bigger reaction. I want to see Alistair Black black mass Triple H's dogs on air. You know? Daughter, <laughs> all of them, both the daughters. You know, I want to see, like, that's what I mean. I want something. I'm not saying we need, like, the Randy Gordon home invasion sort of stuff again, but we do need something if you're going to bring Triple H out. All I'm saying is I want Triple H. And Daniel Bryan, give him Daniel Bryan again. We know what they can do. Just give me something with Triple H. Even saying that was just, do you know what I want to see? Just give, just literally anything with a storyline. I don't want just, like, oh, this is Triple H versus uh, Mustafa Ali because we wanted it. We... (laughs) Like, yeah, that match would be amazing and I might cry during that match many times. But just give me anything with a story. Like, that's why I loved the Batista match because it was like, that was, there, was a, there is a reason for these two to be here. Triple H versus Daniel Bryan, there's a reason for them both to be here. I'd, you know what? No, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say I'd rather see a Goldberg versus Triple H, but I really wouldn't because then we're going to get a three-minute Triple H match. 
I just... There has to be something Biggie can do. Why do I have a feeling that, that King Corbin's going to retire him? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, now that you've said that, honestly, you've just mentioned Corbin. I would not be surprised to see Triple H turn up and beat Corbin in, you know, six, five, five or six minutes at Mania. Just for the sake of getting him on the card, getting Corbin a, another high-profile match. Oh, do you know what I want to see? This is, no, this isn't my fantasy idea. I'll tell you my actual fantasy idea, which I think could happen in a minute. Is it Randy Orton and Triple H versus Edge and Christian? <laughs> No, but that's what I want now. <laughs> I um. No, I think. I th- I've lost my train of thought now. What was I going to say? Fantasy, your fantasy. No, I'm a fantasy for Triple H, but I forgot who I was going to say we're going to be against. Oh no, I do remember. I remember. How do, how can I forget? So, one of my favorite wrestlers in the company and used to be favorite characters is Chad Gable. Right. I mean, Shorty G. Shorty G, as he's now known as, but I don't think we should be keeping that for a long time. I think, realistically, if they give him a chance, we know well, we, we know how comedic he is. If anyone's been watching the new Up, Up, Down, Down series of uh, Battle of the Brands, um, Xavier, and Cre- uh, Xavier and Tyler Breeze have got the wrestlers in the show they're using to cut real promos. So one of the guys in the show is, is Chad Gable. So he's currently their United States champion and is cutting promos all the time every week as the US champion, as a bit of a cock. And they're amazing because he's thanking himself for being an American hero, because he's an Olympian. Give him the Kurt Angle role from the 2000s when he came into the company. Just give it him. Just give him the ankle lock. Have Kurt Angle manage him for a bit if they want. Make another star. Let him kill Triple H. I want to see this man go for a pedigree and get rolled up into an ankle lock. I want to see this man get pretzeled by an O'Connor old German suplex with a chaos theory. And you can have, you can have Nigel McGuinness on commentary just losing his nut. Just, just give me something, you know? But no, my real, my real fantasy idea, Nathan, this is going to... I think you might get a pop out of this one. Oh, boy. So... Oh, boy. It was kind of gone viral on Twitter in the last two or three days. Drake was seen at a basketball show with a WWE championship, and also I think it was a tag team championship. He had both belts over his arms. Right. So Drake is, in my opinion, should be being seen by WWE. Like, we need to get you in for Mania. My idea is... Give Drake the 24-7 championship for WrestleMania, right? I'm just... <laughs> you're laughing at this. I'm being deadly serious. Well, the belt is currently on Riddick Moss, isn't it? I'm saying we have a bit of a flip-flop at that. At one point, someone just beats him up. Like, Strowman running to... Or Goldberg, let's say. Goldberg is going for his match, right? And in the build-up, he just, like, smashes Riddick Moss out of the way into a wall. Riddick Moss is out. Like a light. As Drake would say. We You're then loving see, this, aren't you? I really am. We would then see a few, like, Riddick Moss can be out, like, completely out the entire time. Have Goldberg do his entrance, lose the match to Reigns or whatever. After the match is done, Riddick Moss is still out. You then see Drake tiptoe along, pin the champion, and Drake is the 24-7 champion. Right? And then the entire night can just be Drake running away from wrestlers. <laughs> all night until he's eventually caught by someone and it can be like R-Truth and then R-Truth goes for it and then like Carmella rolls him up or something and have those two reunite as a team again I just think it's a really funny opportunity and like there's obviously if Drake if Drake you might as well get if you could do you know what get one of the biggest global stars if they if they wanted to they could let Drake win the belt keep it on him for 24 hours and make him show up on Raw again because it's in the same city so he doesn't have to go very far 
and then everyone then would be buzzing on social media like why is drake addressed a wwe champion there's a load of mainstream appeal and have him tune in and then have drake do this is a dream <laughs> this is we're going fantasy screw it have him get like choke slammed by kane or something like do a simple move where it's kind of impossible to not sell it like you can't do it wrong do you know what i mean like you a, a choke slam is a flat bump you just have to put your neck down and you're fine i think anyone could learn that especially drake like mgk got power bombed off a of stage by kevin owens so I'm iconic saying, let's just give kane a chance give corporate kane or masked kane or an imposter kane the the twenty four seven championship, and have them beat have them be beat by Drake, and just for that moment of the biggest rapper in the world, Drake being the twenty four seven champion, there's money in that. I think, and there's serious money in well, that. Well, I would. You might as well get one of the biggest global stars getting your brand and your name even more out there. Exactly. But it's know. a it's a massive fantasy, and the fact that uh, the idea of Drake being twenty four seven champion is hilarious. But they won't do it, obviously. That's why it's a fantasy idea. But if if it does happen, then give him the Saudi Arabia paycheck. If it does happen, I mean, I want to see Drake do a Saudi Arabian concert at. You know how we used to get we get like Poppy at NXT takeovers. I want Drake to show up at the next Super Showdown <laughs> and do the Greatest Royal Rumble three, and it's Drake just doing a performance live as he's the twenty four seven champion. Give it him for the year. Have Drake go on a world tour, and every every tour is filmed by <laughs> WWE, and he's getting rolled up by Riddick Moss on stage. This is a big plan. There's money to be made in that. Now let's talk about the upcoming pay-per-view this weekend, AW Revolution. Now, Nathan, what are you thinking about the show? Yeah, I'm looking forward to some of the key matches, especially the world title match between Jericho and Moxley. Moxley's been on an absolute roll as of late. and Just watching him go through and a circle members and the eye patch and everything, and I think now is the time to strike while the iron's hot, like... I know it's Moxley, he's been hot from the start, but it's especially hot right now. And give him the title. I think Jericho's had a you know, a very decent, a longish reign. And it's it's one of them where it's you've got your established name, Jericho. He's built up the belt. He's waited for more challenges to emerge. And now is your chance to put the belt on Moxley. I think there's a real good opportunity there for Moxley to become the champion. And I think that unfortunately... I don't think it's failed the idea with Jericho being the champion because I think it's brought a lot of mainstream attention to the company having one a little the, bit of the bubble. One, yeah, I mean, obviously, with the memes and Le Champion and whatnot. I think there, there has been the idea with Mo, with, uh, with Jericho has, has has like succeeded. It's not been a failure, but I think it is going to get stale quickly if they don't end it. And I think getting it out of the whole like uh, getting it away from the whole like inner circle, like well the. Um, almost the elite crew because for a while Jericho sort of joined that with the all-in shows uh, and the New Japan links like he almost was in that little click with them so then getting it out of there and getting it away from a big stable and giving someone like Moxley a chance just to run with the ball would be really big and building their brand I'm looking down the card now and there's not honestly there's a few matches I'm quite excited for like I think the books versus um the books versus Page and Omega is gonna be interesting because it looks like there could be a major heel turn from either side in this match where do you think it's going to go? <clears throat> I think Buck's going to win the titles. Yeah. And I think they're going to go heel. And I think this is going to be the, the real start of the Hangman Page lone wolf type because it's just been building and building the uh, sort of bitterness within and the fact that he's been left off like posters for pay-per-views. He's not part of the first line of action figures and they've built it up on being the elite, this whole idea that Hangman's not really, you know, 
the main guy, not one of the big boys in the elite. And I think it will it will uh, come tumbling down. And then you've got you know you've got the build there for whatever you want to do with Page and the Bucks. I think work best as that you know that cocky, arrogant duo. Well, that's what made them. That's what made them famous in New Japan. Really, it was how cocky and arrogant they were a part of the Bullet Club. And if if they are the tag champions and they're running their own company, there's a, there's a different angle in there that hasn't obviously ever been done in wrestling before. Because the whole thing the books were saying when they started AEW was they wanted tag team wrestling to be a massive, massive thing. Now, obviously, there's a chance for this to happen. And then you've got the books saying, well, there's no there's no teams we can find that are good enough for us. We're better than everyone. And it's almost a different side of arrogance you could get from a champion. So I think that, is, that in itself is something that I think would be really, really good. And I would like to see... I think if the books are champion, we will get a lot of we will get better matches. Unfortunately, like I don't think that's that's a knock on like the SCU or on Page and Omega, but I think and like I just think the books have some of the best tag matches in the world, and like we've seen how good the books versus the Lucha Bros can be, for example. Let's see how good the books versus Santana and Ortiz would be properly. Give them like half an hour as the main event of like double or nothing. Let's see how it goes. You know what I mean? I think that is the way to go. And have almost the inner circle break up in the match bef- in the the main event, not break up officially, but have like fractions and have uh, LAX almost come out of it, and then build up the tag division a bit more and more. How are you personally feeling about Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander? Um, I'm going to be honest, I couldn't really care less, and that's not a knock against either either woman. It's just the fact that I still think, obviously, it's. They've already said about how it's taken a long time to build up a women's division, but I just it doesn't feel on the same level as everything else on the card. And like I said, it's not a knock against those two women or any of the other women on the roster, but it's just the fact that there's also some more well-known, established names out there available on the indies, like Mercedes Martinez, for example. Before, before well, she, she was went, she was available, and they didn't go for her. It's I mean, like that's a woman you can build your brand around at the start and make her this dominant force. Well, she was. She, you got to think she was in the Rumble for what, like five minutes, and she made an. She had a massive impact, and like when she showed up on NXT a few weeks later, she was like, "Whoa!" I'm pretty sure she was part of that. Um, that weird, that weird battle royal they do or whatever. The um, the the casino battle royale. Yeah, yeah she was. So it's like she's been on the show, and was, they just didn't give her a contract. Yeah. And it's just pathetic. And if you look it? over to Impact, there's so many marketable women on, on that roster as well. Well, I mean, I like, know that obviously, obviously they're under contract, but you got to look at like Ty Valkyrie, um, Jordan Grace, Jordan Grace, Rosemary, even. Um, yeah, I mean, T- uh, Tessa Blanchard is literally their world champion exactly. right now. Like, I know there was the whole scandal with her and the whole like being a bit of a dick backstage, but she is their world champion, and they're they're drawing even to Neil Dashwood. Yeah. These are names instantly recognisable to WWE fans. Yeah. I think the thing is, I think, for me, AEW has had a bit of a problem in terms of making their characters and making stars. So far, I feel like they've been quite reliant on the the being the elite crew um, to almost sell their shows at times, such as, like, for example, Cody versus, like, Chris Jericho. For me, I was never that really interested in the idea of it. I don't really want to see Cody in the title picture ever. I think Cody should have that Triple H role now where he's like, he sort of comes out for big events, but obviously like 
this match with MGF is a perfect example. It's been booked really well. But apart from that, I look at, I look up and down the card and I don't really see too many like great characters that draw me into the show, such as like Sammy Guevara's on the show and like yeah, he's part of the inner circle, but like he just he thinks he's a pretty boy that wants girls to get with him. Great. Like that's all he tweets. And he thinks he's a god. And he's ch- it almost seems a bit like the Rollins stuff in a way. I know that like they were started at the same sort of time, so it's kind of coincidental. But like, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of great athletes on the show that all sort of really have no direction, no real reason to be there. Like you will notice it. The the few that do have that engraved character and personality are the ones that are the most popular. Like MJF and Darby Allen, for example, well, are two of the clear. This. I was the about clear to say, biggest uh, young, or you know, quote like, the gems type. We all yeah. we all heard about them, but they weren't out there to a mainstream audience. I think the thing is, Darby now. Allen with the whole with the Cody matches he had, and at the thirty minute draw, for example, like there was a real idea that they could have built on Darby Allen, in my opinion. Like, I mean, made him a major star. Like, they, I think he should he could have been in a world championship match by now. Do you know what I mean? And I think the idea that he is now in the bottom of the mid card at this rate like on the he's obviously scheduled to face Sammy Guevara a revolution and it just seems a bit I mean it it isn't thrown together but I think he could be doing a lot more than just like and there's guys like Jeff Cobb who's just signed for them they've just signed Lance Archer there's big names that are joining AEW almost at like a weekly basis right now but at the same time it's like I don't know what they're going to do with them like i don't see what i don't know what they're going to do with jeff cobb because he came in and lost his first match clean do you know like jeff cobb in my opinion is one of the best wrestlers in the in the world uh, i think there is potential i've got two things to say I, I think one there is potential to have a good storyline with jeff cobb if they go all out with pardon the pun all in with it they could have him because he's like a hired gun sort of thing at the minute for the inner circle but eventually have him have be sick and tired and then just go through inner circle members and then that builds him up and he can like, have a match with Jericho or whatever but what I was going to say is at the minute there's the top of the card and then there's the rest whereas it doesn't feel like there's the top of the card the middle and the lower card because everyone's sort of having matches with everyone and there's no like at the minute there's hardly anyone that is the quote jobber you got the uh, QT Marshall um, I think Sean Spears is lower down the line as well. And I mean, that's that in itself, for example, to me, when he first came in against like Cody and the massive chair shot to the head, like there was a big, there was a lot of talk about Sean Spears, and I think he could have been a massive, massive star for them. I feel like they are missing out on a third championship. I think they are missing out on a, a, a mid card championship for the men. I know they say they don't want to overdo it and all this. They need another one because. At the minute, I mean, NXT it is, needed another one when they went to two hours. It is world title, tag title, th- and then women's title, which is lower down than them because it's not as interesting or the matches aren't as build up. You've got your world title matches, which the stories for all the world title matches so far have all been enjoyable and have built to a good match. Tag uh, titles, there's loads of tag uh, tag teams, and any of them really could be champions, and it's it's a well built you know contendership of teams. Below that, below the elite versus inner circle stuff, you've just got a lot of guys that aren't going to be world champions, but also they don't really want to job them out, but they don't know what to do with them, and it's just a sort of... See, this is the thing. I think when, when AEW was first announced, uh, was it over 
a year and a half ago now, wasn't it? Uh, it was first announced as a company on, uh, it was January 1st, 2019, when it turned midnight, because it was, it was the end of the uh, the episode of Being the Elite that came out on, on New Year's Day. Since then, they've signed so much talent, and they've just, they have in a way stockpiled, because obviously they were scared that WWE was just going to go and sign everyone up. But they've all, they've only stockpiled people from the very, very tops of the card, like the tops of the indie cards in a way. And the guys they could get, they've gotten. But it's like, you've gotten so many big names, if you make them lose a lot, they're going to lose their star power, which is why you wanted to get them. So like, for example, they brought in guys like Private Party at first, I think just to be a bit of like a, they weren't even signed at first, they were just there to like, job out. But Private Party sort of made them made them a space for themselves because they are a really, really good team. And they have some amazing tag moves, and they've got good characters, they're there for a good time, but they're really serious in the ring as well. There was a, there was a thing there, so they got signed. But then it's like, well, the, these these guys that are really good, we, they can't make them lose again. What do we do? And so then they just hand someone else. And it's like they haven't got there's guys like there's the librarians and there's um, uh, Nakazawa. Um, like, apart from that, who are they going to have to like build guys with? Because there's guys like Sunny Kiss, for example, who's amazing, but they don't want to job him out. There's guys like. I mean, just Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss seem to be building this like unlikely tag team, and it's just gone to nothing. It it does seem like there is a missing element to the show. Well, I know it's not the case, but it it feels like what are we four or five months in? It feels like everyone's already had a match with everyone, and I know that's not the case, but that's what it feels like. Ev- everyone's sort of it's everything's merged into one, apart from the world title match. The, the only th- it's literally the world title matches and Cody's feuds that are good, in my opinion. Because, like, Cody, for example, now, he's got this match against MJF this weekend, which has been built. They've not been allowed to touch. They've literally, like, not had an actual fight since since MJF turned on Cody. And they've had they've made Cody go through so many loops, like, leaps and bounds to get to this match. Like, he had to go through... He had to get through... Literally was, was whipped. Um, he got lashes. Then he then had to go through a steel cage with, um, with Wardlow. Like, he's been through so much to get there. Now there's a build to this match because they've not been against each other. That's something that like WWE's done wrong. And like we've seen Corbin and we saw Corbin and Reigns go against each other in like tag matches or singles every week for months on end. This feud feels like it's been going on for months because it has been, but it, it feels fresh because they've not actually done anything. So this grudge match they've got is going to be going to be me- it's going to be a mess, but in the best possible possible way. I think just quickly touching back onto the women's match, I think there's been a real problem with. AEW was a company with the women. Um, obviously, Nyla Rose is, is a transgender woman, but she's still a woman at the end of the day. And that's it. That's all that matters. With AEW, there's been a lot of transphobic fans having a go at her saying, you can't have a man wrestle for a women's, a women's title and all this sort of shit. Like, no. Nyla Rose is a woman, and AEW haven't backed her up and supported her, even though they've made her champion. And I think that's quite disgusting, personally. Like, they've not really supported her at all. And... I know that every day on Twitter, if you go through anything she tweets, there is hundreds of transphobic tweets against her. Which I do is what horrible. You, I do and know I think what you mean. They've not way. made a stance against if, it. If they and to would, me, that just it turns against them. I do know what you mean in a way, but I don't know what they do. But they need to do, they need to say something. Are you saying something just like support their release champion. a statement, just saying we this is like, just disgusting. Like, we tra- don't yeah, like, condone this. Transgender abuse is, uh, isn't accepted at our events, and if you are found out being transgender, yeah. you'll be kicked Some, out and banned. A statement like that, that you're done. I mean, it's not going to shut it down as such, but it will. But it w- it would in a way it because is, it's 
they're being well. It's not, is it? With the if they're, if trolls, but I suppose yes. But if they're ba- if you're saying you will ban people found out being transphobic at your shows, that would then put a big stop to things. Lifetime ban, something like that. Yeah, and I think if 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 Cody and the books came out and said it, the AEW fan base loves anything they say and will back them the hundred percent. So if they say, I come out and come out with a statement like this, which they should, because it's unfair on Nyla Rose, it's unfair on transgender people in gen- in, in general. And it's not that the company doesn't, you know her in a way because well, they've, they've given her the, the title belt and every day on the Twitter or Reddit I'm always seeing stuff with like Chris Jericho just defending defending her and yeah, he ha- having it with these internet trolls and it's like yeah maybe the company as a whole should make a stance like obviously they don't condone it but maybe they need to make that I think that's what I think that's what needs to happen like at the end of the day Nyla Rose is a woman but all she's getting is constant abuse because she had to go through a transition and that's unfair. Like, I'm quite excited for this match against uh, Chris Statlander, but I think it, it shouldn't be this... T- it should be something... It should be a rematch, really, for the belt. I don't think it should be this match, because this match is a long-term build. Like, Chris has only been signed in the last few months. She's not really had a lot of TV exposure. She's had enough, but not a lot. And I think it's almost... They've, they've thrown away a bit of money here, because this would have been a big marquee match if they'd slowly built to it. But again, that's just, I think, a problem of they needed to make sure they had a good women's match. Because... AEW using a lot of women from um, from Shimmer and Stardom in uh, in Japan, and they can't always fly over every single week, which is the problem. With when we had Rio as the champion, because Rio couldn't get to to America every week for tapings, so it, it is a bit of an issue that. But I think now with Nyla as champion, I want to see a defeat. I want to see a reign for like a year. I want to see like a long reign and build up build up a brand and build up other women that can't take her down. To then when she is taken down, let's say next year at full gear. It's great. You've you've built another woman. They and need that- to do that from now because it's great to have like with the world title scene for the men's, it's great to have that linchpin for the division, the one you then build the rest of your stars and your contenders and your stories around. Whereas we've not really had that with, with Rio and you know Nyla could be that that linchpin for the division now where it's this is the person no one can beat. You've got the, these characters over here and these ones here, and they're all trying to, and it's eventually going to build someone up to beat her. And then you've you've made if more they, people in the division. They could eventually have her lose the belt in a multi in a multi person match. She doesn't even have to be pinned. Like you cannot pin Nyla and still have her lose the belt, and it'd be a massive deal. If they did like a six woman match, at, let's say full gear or, or or double or nothing or all out whatever. Let's say they do that. When they do do that, even if let's say. Um, Britt Baker pins let's say Britt Baker pins Chris Stantlander at that point you've then made Britt Baker because she, they've, they've got the belt off of off of um, off of Nyla and I think it's perfect but I just think they need to actually they need to give her a chance and they need to let her do something with it you know what I mean and I think I think that this pay-per-view could be one of their best ones yet I think the card is probably the strongest in a while I think obviously Moxley versus Jericho is going to be massive the, the tag match with the books and Omega would be great the women's match, I think, will be a good match. MJF and Cody, they've they've been building for this since what? When was the last pay per view? November, I think. They've been building that since I then. I think it was November. You then got Hager's first match, which will be interesting. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara will be a good match. You've got Pack versus Orange Cassidy, in what? <laughs> which will be the greatest match of this it generation. Genuinely, could be. I think it'll be great because I don't. People don't seem to really realise that. Orange Cassidy's very good in the ring. He just it is a character, and that's why he's over. If they literally give this 
15 minutes. They could make... I mean, they won't. They'll give it five minutes. It'll go middle of the card and there'll be, it'll be a, 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 a toilet break match. But the only reason they're having this match is because Orange Cassidy came out after the... Uh, came out after the Iron Man match this week with Omega and just sort of, like, trashed the interview. And then he got trashed himself by Pac, so... It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a good card. And whenever we're back, probably about two weeks' time, we'll give it a review and we'll let you know what we thought about it, won't we? We will indeed. Sounds good to me. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the we have been the Ring Press Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Ring Press Radio. I'm on Twitter at Westwood, spelled with a zero instead of the first O. What are you on Twitter, Nathan? At Harding himself. We will see you in two weeks' time. Bye, guys.